Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Runzlik. Are you guys tired? <laughs> I mean, I don't mean like today, because like you're like, no, Lauren, I'm on my seventh cup of coffee, although I am also on my seventh cup of coffee, which is always the best way to start a recording, just being like hyped up by caffeine. Um, which funny thing about caffeine, don't, we'll, we'll come back to this, but here's a tangent on my tangent. Um, my daughter told me the other day, my nine-year-old or almost nine-year-old, Charlie said that she was listening to a podcast and that she goes, mom, did you know that caffeine actually doesn't wake you up? It just makes you not realize you're tired. And I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> And so then she was like, said something about how like it doesn't allow adenosine, to, like it attaches to the adenosine. I hadn't even heard of adenosine in years. And I was like, oh, that's triggering a thing. Sure. I think I would have answered that having to do with sleep on a multiple choice thing. And so I really, really struggled to like understand. I'm like, I don't get it. But when I drink coffee, I'm more awake. And she and then, you know, I was talking to a patient. She's like, oh, well, it's like when you take Tylenol, it's just making you not feel the pain. It's not actually helping the problem. And I'm like, okay, now I clicked. I get it. So anyways, little FYI, just in case you were wondering, caffeine doesn't make you awake. It makes you not feel tired. But then I have questions about like the jitteriness and the talking fast and all that stuff. But by the way, what was I saying? Oh, are you tired? I'm just so tired in life right now. Um, mostly because we're kicking butt at the clinic. I am so proud of our team and like patience and all of that. And it's doing amazing, but we really need an associate like really bad. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'm just tired and there's like, there's been a lot happening in the universe lately. Like we, you know, my parents' dog died. And so there's that emotional stuff. And then I had a cousin die. Like there's just, and then like friends are losing jobs and people are moving. And there's just, it's just a lot. And so I feel like I'm just having to take a breath and go, holy moly. Um, and the reason I brought it up is because right as I was about to click record, I have this app 
called Flow. And I, you know, the more I get involved and like um, interview people like that Dr. Saran from a couple weeks ago, I am reading about the moon and like Kate Northrup's book, Do Less. I'm like, you know, I really should track my menstrual cycle so I know when I am going to be like have more peaks of energy and where I can just like really be more in tune with my body. So I've been tracking my menstrual cycle with flow and uh she like sent me a text message this morning and it said like be prepared for increased amounts of energy uh as you get close to ovulation and it was just really funny timing because i was exhausted i do not feel like i have the surge that i'm supposed to get and it's like thanks for rubbing it in flow no i don't have a spike of energy and then it made me think laugh even more because i then looked in the mirror to get ready for work and my face is just tired and it's just puffy and then it made me think of kate northrup's book where she talks about the egg effect if you don't know what that is um I'm going to butcher this because you guys know my memory is crap. Like something along the lines where when a woman is ovulating, they have studied that she exudes something called the egg effect, where she is actually more attractive and magnetic to people. And so part of the book and part of the reason I, you know, was tracking is because I wanted to know like, well, when am I going to be just glowing? Because you're supposed to like set up if you're doing Facebook videos and marketing, you're supposed to record this stuff when you have these bursts of energy and you're exuding this magnetism. And I, there's clearly something hormonally wrong with me, which if you go all the way back to the episode recorded with Beth Westy, I think we learned, I think we all know now, if you've been following the show, I think we're all pretty aware that Lauren has a hormone imbalance. Has she done anything about it yet? No. No, she hasn't. Um, but awareness is the first step, correct? And I think that awareness that like, I'm really tired and I'm supposed to be energized right now is it just continues the damn awareness. And it's like, when am I going to actually do something about this? Anyways, okay, it is time for a listener highlight. So this one is from Avid Health Cairo, and it's let's be real, exclamation mark, five stars. Thank you very much. It says, just when you think nobody out there could possibly understand why you are the way you are, Lauren drops a podcast. If you are looking for honest, raw, and real view of what it's like being a woman, boss, business owner, don't hesitate to dig in and listen up. Thank you, Lauren, for showing up or showing us how we can be our authentic selves without shame. This was a really really nice thing to say. Like just reading this right now is like, oh, that was nice. Not that everybody's aren't great. You're all amazing. You're all perfect. Um, but like, thank you. That makes that makes me feel real good. And it also, you know, the whole reason that I ask you guys to does that bother you when I say you guys like obviously 99% of you are not guys. It doesn't bother me when I don't know. Sometimes that bothers people. I'm sorry. I can't change that yet. Maybe when I get a little more woke and more sensitive, you know, like you get a little more like I was talking to Charlie the other day and I said like, well, one day when you have kids and I was like, no, wait, Charlie, one day if you decide to have kids. So I'm still on that whole like 
journey. So one day I'm sure it'll bother me, but right now it doesn't. So I'm sorry if you are farther along, further along on that journey, it just doesn't bother me. So insert girls. Um, what was I saying? Damn it. <laughs> this interview was done when Lauren was not drinking, I swear. Um, no, I was saying that I really appreciate the whole point I asked, I got it, you guys slash girls to write reviews is because there's a whole bunch of podcasts out there, right? Like there's uh, literally a gazillion and um, stuff like that. Like those reviews matter. They matter to the Apple podcast algorithm and it matters to people who are spending their precious time listening to podcasts. Like nobody wants to waste time. That is officially a true statement is nobody's interested in wasting time. Um, and so thank you very, very much. Okay, so today I have a hella powerhouse woman on. Um, her name is Dr. Melissa Kolb. She's a, I don't want to say she's retired chiropractor, but she's kind of retired. Uh, she'll tell you her story. Um, I think she was kind of forced into retirement with um, an injury and kind of reinvented herself and started MKR recruiting. So it's a chiropractic recruiting system. And she doesn't so much do one-on-one -on -one recruiting anymore as much as help coach students as to like how to find ideal associate jobs and helps coach chiropractors first of all of like do you even need an associate are you prepared for an associate are you like you know is there some systems we can clean up um and she's just an entertaining person to talk to like i feel I, how do you say this without being offensive you know, when you just like sit down with somebody and they're just like charismatic and energetic and they know their shit, that is Melissa Cole. So I had seen her speak at uh, Dr. Lona Cook's mastermind retreat a couple months ago. And immediately after I was like, hey, I would like you on the podcast, um, you know, because it's amazing. So she drops some awesome, awesome information for both students and doctors looking for an associate. I kind of told her, I'm like, well, I would like to cover the gamut if possible. And I believe we did. So we are going to pray and then we will get into it. Dear God, thank you so much again for just continuing to do great, great things with this profession. And just, I don't remember if Melissa brings it up, but when she spoke, she talked about how there are not enough students and there are for like the amount of jobs and the opportunity that chiropractic has. I, I do not talk enough about how important chiropractic is in the grand scheme of how it like relates with like our innate intelligence and your energy that you have given in each of us. I truly believe that chiropractic like Jesus had to pick a profession. I don't know. I think he'd pick chiropractor now over carpentry. Just saying. Um, so thank you for pushing chiropractic more and more to the surface and help all the students find what they're supposed to do. Students are always so confused and so afraid of what is the next step. Phil, like speak loudly to them. Speak loudly to them that they will listen to this. And at the end have more, a stronger opinion on whether they're meant to associate for a while or associate for life. Um, because as we know, as, as we know, you and me, we know, um, as, as you know, not everyone 
was given this spiritual gift to want to take on entrepreneurship and they have been given a different spiritual gift and like just speak to their hearts as to what is right for them be with the doctors who are listening um who are like me and they're tired remind them to be grateful we are tired because we are serving so many people. We are tired and searching because we cannot help the number of people who are seeking help. And although that is frustrating, that is something to just smile about because it is, it is good. Is it a good, good problem? So be with everyone, I guess. Just, you know, be with everyone. So in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, peeps. Here is Dr. Melissa Kolb and myself talking about finding an associate slash finding an associateship. Okay, well, welcome to the show. I hate starting off podcasts that way, but it's just, how, what else do you say? Like, sup, girl. So, hi, Melissa Kolb. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, like I was just saying, like, I am always excited when I have a little bit more of a relationship with someone because a lot of guests, oh my, as I'm sure you can imagine, I've only really met through Instagram and or like social media world. And I'm like, well, hopefully they're not a dud. Um, and I know you're not a dud. So I'm like, oh, when I saw this interview, I'm like, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Well, I feel like we've had this sort of online, you know, phone relationship and email relationship for a number of years. And then it was great to, to, to meet each other in person a couple of weeks ago. So I'm really glad we made that, that interpersonal connection. Yeah. Well, you don't know this, but I'm actually pissed at you. So oh. <laughs> you're like, oh, very. No. so I have hired you for my previous two associates. Um, and you have just been this like amazing, you know, basically me manifesting and saying yes by putting money where my mouth is when I'm looking for an associate. So I've been like loosely looking for one since June. And I'm like, you know what? We'll just see if I can manifest one on my own. And if by January 1st, I haven't, I'm just gonna like hire Melissa. So here comes January 1st. And I'm like, well, crap, no one's, no one's really like coming. So I send this email expecting to be able to hire you to recruit and you're like well I don't really do that anymore and I'm like damn it <laughs> so hopefully just the email of like trying to hire you put it out into the internet or into the internet into the universe same thing great things are coming in 2021 absolutely so since I've already told people what you don't do anymore um will you please give a background who you are how you got into this please you know because I absolutely and um kind of what you do now so I graduated from chiropractic school in 1995, which I know is probably roughly the year that a lot of our, our current students in school right now were born. So that kind of dates me. And I, did, I, I married one of my classmates right out of school. So I certainly understand some of those challenges of, of being a mom and being a female practice owner and having to juggle all that work-life balance. I did 20 years of patient care, had a, had a health issue. And after uh, some, you know, kind of mainstream medical stuff, had to jump out of patient care and 
fortunately, I was raised by parents that uh, made me understand that I always had to be responsible for my own stuff. So at that point, about six years ago, I had to reinvent myself. And as we were going to hire an associate to fill uh, and take over my patient base, I knew that this was a really challenging space. And, and because of that, I spent my last six years essentially um, recruiting and being hired by practice owners around the country and essentially placing doctors, placing associates in their offices for them. That has grown immensely. So I've really gotten to the point where I can, I can help more docs by essentially coaching them through the process. And, and I found that a lot of docs need help with their, with their clinical operations as well, systems and process. So we work a lot on that. So it's mostly, it's coaching and consulting right now. And I, and I do teach a, a great group of T7s over at Northwestern College of Chiropractic. We, uh, we have a clinic operations class that we work through together. So, so that's where I spend my time these days. Okay. Awesome. So when you're working with docs, you know, so a lot of times it's the doctor who's reaching out to you. Um, do you find that a, a portion of the time they don't actually need an associate? Yes, I would say probably 60 to 70% of the time. Oh, that high. It's very high. And more often than not, when people call me and they, yep, I want an associate. Well, that's great. But let's talk about your why. And, and once we can secure that, and sometimes people don't know their why. So it's really important that we do some, some intuitive work around that, but then really looking at engaging some of their operations and their procedures, because with some efficiencies, in their personal life as well as their their professional life many times they can hold off on on finding an associate in their practice for sometimes close to a year to year and a half mm -hmm. and and once they get to that That's point money in your pocket game on let's go but mm -hmm. but if but if you can handle things independently for a while i i say go for it you know, I feel like we have two stigma. We have lots of stigmas in our profession, let's be honest. Um, but two that are really surfacing kind of around this conversation. And one is with students. And tell me if this has changed, because I have I graduated from Northwestern in 2010 and I've talked to other people who graduated, you know, from other colleges. So I know it's not a Northwestern issue, but like associating is like a four letter word. It is like, okay, you can do that for like one to three years max. But then if you're planning on just being a professional associate, why did you even bother? So I feel like that's a stigma that I hate um, within our profession. And is that still, do you still feel like that's kind of that energy around graduation? No, I, I truly okay. don't. I, I feel like we've morphed and kind of grown out of that, which, which is a very positive thing in some ways. I think the women are the reason, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> And, and quite honestly, for for so many, um, given given student loan debt and and you know regulations around lending with our financial institutions, um, 
you know, starting your own practice isn't always a viable choice for a lot of people. So if, if you take a look at some of the statistics nationally, close to 70% of all new graduates are moving into some type of associate or employed relationship. And, and if that's going to be you, great, you know, good on you, but do it in a really well-developed, do your due diligence and make sure that you are making positive choices for yourself because there are so many wonderful opportunities in the associate world out there. I, I've worked for docs that have been associates for 10 years and they're still going strong and, and everybody does very well together. Yeah. I feel like, um, that, you know, it, it might be okay if like, you're going to start as an associate, but, um, you know, there still can, can be this like, oh, but for for like, are you're going to start your own eventually. Right. And I, I kind of said, like, not really that jokingly that I think women are part of what's shifting that, like, it's okay. Um, one, because like we used to say, like, we, what's it, what's the phrase? Like we eat our own. I think I said that right. No, we eat our young. Yep. Yes. Yeah. We eat our young. Oh, damn it. I was almost right. I'm very bad with those phrases. Yeah. We eat our young. Um, and so it's kind of been, you know, moving from this system of like a uh, old system and you know this better than me. So please correct. Um, but like this older system of like a very male energy, whether that's coming from a male boss or female boss, but a very like I'm hiring an associate to do the grunt work I don't want to do so I can continue to get rich off their labor because they're young and it, I don't want to have to adjust 200 people a week. And um, and there's kind of like that relationship and then where I see like women or a more feminine energy coming in again whether that boss is man or woman um kind of carrying this like well I don't want to be in my office 40 hours a week because I want to have a personal life I want to be able to travel if they have kids like I want to be able to spend time with my kids I want to be able to do all that and if it's just me I can't and so I want to provide an opportunity for another woman to step in and like kind of quote unquote partner but it isn't a partnership um so she can also have that so like i do you see that shift happening behind the like reason why docs are getting associates 100 okay. percent. And, and let's face it when it, when i take a look at at female driven offices generally they are incredibly well run, very organized systems, process, great energy. They know what they want. They're wearing multiple hats outside and inside of their office. So they have to be in very intentional around where their time and their energy is spent. And, and man, they've got some great high energy practices and are able to provide incredible opportunities for some of our new graduates coming out of school. And I think where the paradigm has started to shift is, I mean, chiropractic is quote unquote mainstream, quite honestly, for, for so much of our healthcare system these days. And, and with the growth of our profession, we are seeing that, you know, 
probably a year ago when I added up all of the open positions in the United States, it was close to 4,000 positions that were open and available between Indeed and all of our, our schools and all of their ad platforms. And granted, you know, the state of California, New York, they're looking for maybe two to 300 chiropractors in, an, in a given month. And maybe, you know, North Dakota is looking for, for 20. But when you add them all together, they're close to 4,000. <laughs> right? There were close to 4,000 open positions in this country. But if you truly add up how many graduates our schools are going to graduate here in the next 12 months, it may be somewhere close to 16 to 1,800. You know, you've got life. Life will graduate a couple hundred students a year, maybe maybe three to three fifty, and then you've got smaller entities that that maybe only graduate sixty to one hundred a year. So yeah. when you do the math and add up of like, no, there's never a good problem. That like, well, it's a going really well. It's but. a good problem for for new graduates. Because it's the supply and demand piece. And I think there are some very naive clinic owners out there that think new graduates are a dime a dozen and they're not. And, and quite honestly, you better have a game plan for any new graduate coming out of school because, because new graduates are pretty savvy these days. They're, they're in two to $250,000 of student loan debt. And, and quite honestly, they, they are choosy. They ask great questions and they, and they should. I mean, they've got, they've got a lifetime that they need to be planning for. Yeah. So the second stigma that I'm so proud of myself that I remember that I even said there were two and only said one um, goes along with my next question, though, is the idea that um, I feel like in our profession, and I'm sure this is within any profession, we have a lot of these like badges that we give out that like, good job, you're a good enough chiropractor. And one of the badges is that you're busy enough that you need an associate. And so like, it, if you need an associate, that must mean you're seeing a lot of people and you're really good. So let's kind of circle back to what's that process that, cause you said 60 to 70% don't and might be just thinking they need one um, because they kind of have bad systems or they just feel like, well, I, I want one because that says something, or maybe I'm not ready, but if I get an associate, then I will grow. That's a big one I see too. So, so can you walk through the question there is, is it was hidden, uh, is what is, how do you know a doc is ready to bring on someone? Gotcha. Okay. And, and sometimes it can be regional. So, so we can, we can break that down just a little bit. So when I look at a, a doctor's clinic to see if they are truly ready for a, for an associate, um, the number one thing I look at is, well, they, they all tend to be equal. I look at their volume. Like, let's face it, how many patient visits a week are you seeing? Do you have a waitlist practice? You know, if you walk in three to four days a week and your schedule is full and you can't see a new patient for two to three days, yeah, you're definitely ready for an associate. However, if you walk in every day and you have room in your schedule and you can get a new patient in with about 12 to 24 hours, you're probably not quite ready. And, and so much of your volume, of course, sometimes depending on your region of the country dictates your collections 
And, and depending on where you practice in the country, it can pretty much tell you between your volume and knowing the average collection per patient visit in that region, you know, what your month looks like. Because you need to have some finances, I, probably a good four to $5,000 a month of free flowing capital that you can invest into an associate doctor on a monthly basis to help them get ramped up. And you kind of need to have that house for a good four to six months until they can start to essentially support themselves. They start to grow. And, and both of you have, have these super busy patient-based practices. What if someone said like, well, but I really, I could just like hear like, but I want to find a go-getter. And so I'm going to give them a base plus commission. Like, do they still need four to $5,000? I mean, in their head, they're probably saying, oh, I don't need that much because I'm going to do, I'm going to give them a base of 35,000. So that's only 2,800 a month or whatever. Uh, great. 30, what did you say? Like 3,500 a month? Well, I was bad at math. So yeah, <laughs> 3,000 a month, something like that. Yeah. Great. Go for it. I mean, offer, offer them that knowing that there's somebody within a 50 mile radius of you that's probably starting. I mean, if we want to take Wisconsin, for example, I'd say, you know, average base starting salaries between, um, you know, Madison and North. Uh, okay. Let's go Baraboo North are probably going to be somewhere in that 48 to 50 range. Now, when you get down in Madison and Milwaukee, Obviously, those base salaries come up probably somewhere between 55 to 58. And again, that's just kind of a, a stab in the dark. But I think gone are the days that you can expect somebody to live off of that. I mean, again, these these kids are 200 to $250,000 in student loan debt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you need to have something to be able to get them started. If you've got great systems and great processes and you've got an exceptional patient base and you've got that waitlist practice and you can continue to, to, to keep your practice growing, fantastic. They will have themselves ramped up in no time. But I also think it's really important to make sure you guys have rock solid mutual expectations. I, I, I can't, I can't you know, sort of equate how important that is to make sure that you have those, those expectations and an appropriate training plan for them. Because so many docs just say, well, hey, I want an associate, I'm gonna hire one. They've thought nothing more than, hey, I want an associate. Well, what does it look like when they walk in every day? I mean, what are your team huddle expectations, your cell phone expectations? What are your marketing expectations of them? You better have this all laid out and have them sign off on all of it so that they are in full agreement. Because anytime I, I talk with a practice owner and they, they have frustration around a, a previous relationship with an associate, I mean, yes, it takes two to tango, but you know what? You're the leader. And, and, and generally that individual is following your lead regardless of what it may be. So I think it's really important to have your ducks in a row before you bring somebody on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I guess another thing that shows that you would be ready for an associate is, do you have great systems and great processes? Do you, I mean, do you multiple schedule, you know, just those standard things that, that, that you and I have probably been doing for years. Do you yeah, multiply you somebody, schedule your patients? Do you have them on a, you know, what a, yeah. How would a doctor know if they have good systems? Cause I can just picture people being like, yeah, I mean, it works for me. Those are good systems. Oh boy. You know, and, and I feel like there's so many different touch points. Um, 
you know, uh, to, let's just take two to three things. Do you have your wellness patients? Are they scheduled out for the next nine to 12 months? I mean, I love walking into my husband's office because when I look at his wellness patients, whether they're once a week, every other week or once a month, they've got their appointments for the next 12 months. We just schedule in the first of the year. That's just how it works. Uh, you know, do you have payment convenient for your patients? Do you have them on a monthly auto withdrawal? If that's something you can do in your state, do you have, you know, with their permission, maybe their payment form on file so that when they come in for their visit, you just run their payment later that day. I mean, you just, you've got everything in sort of this touchless, seamless system so that everybody knows what happens and it's super, super easy. So you get to spend your time caring for and treating patients and not all of this sort of back-end businessy stuff because that's the stuff that will eat your time up. Mm -hmm. okay. So those are just a couple yeah. examples of things that we, that we tend to, to take a look at. Okay, so... Okay, so to know if a doc is ready, um, they walk in, they're on a little bit of a waiting list and they have good systems. Anything else? Yep, uh, again, you want that cash flow and you need to know what your why is. Um, honestly, if you, if you if somebody calls me and I've heard this before, well, you know what? I'm really having a challenging time meeting all of my fan, financial expectations every month. So I think I'll bring an associate in and, and you know, we can kind of share business expenses. You've heard it too, Lauren. I mean, I, I have, I have. And I'm just laughing because I've had two associates and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. And that's when like, you know, you get that tingly creep up your spine and I start to almost have a seizure because that's just a disaster waiting to happen. If you can't manage your own office in a, in a successful way, you cannot bring a new graduate or an existing associate into that chaotic situation. I mean, you have to have everything crystal clear and well laid out in, in a super successful environment before you can bring somebody else into that. So I love to talk to the doctor that's maybe been in private practice for, you know, whether it's five to eight years, maybe a little more, maybe less. Look, I'm full every day. I know I'm losing market share. I, I'm turning away new patients and look, I'd love to get out of the office before 6.30, two nights a week, because I'm there till 6.30, three nights. I, I'd love not to go in Saturday mornings. I, I miss my kids' t-ball games every once in a while. I'd like somebody to, to share in my patient load and, and help them continue to grow with these patients I can't get in. So that's kind of the scenario that I love to hear when a, when a clinic owner knows their why. Okay. Um, what kind of surprises do you see um, so like, yes, they want that. But like, I've also heard other people say that, like, you don't realize how much of a leader or training that like you are going to be put in as the boss. Like, do you see a lot of docs completely underestimate the leadership role? 100%. Absolutely. I mean, new graduates, quite honestly, and, and, and I know that you know this, but new graduates are like having a new baby in your household even though they come out with some, you know, some pretty decent clinical diagnostic um, expertise. You know, I feel like our schools do a great job at that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> when it comes to kind of the, the boots on the ground, ways of the world in a clinical setting, that's really challenging for them. And you have to train them and show them 
everything you want them to do. You have to show them how to do it, watch them do it, practice it with one of your team members. And once they show you that they can do it the way you want them to do it, then let them do it. I'm sure they're going to make some mistakes along the way, but this is where I feel that having that minimum of three month written out training process for your associate is a must. And quite honestly, if you don't have that training plan, you're probably not ready. And, and it doesn't have to be a 60 page manual, but at a bare minimum, you should have called out exactly what you expect to teach this individual on a weekly basis and where you expect them to be from this is the volume I expect you to be seeing at week three versus this is what I want you to see at week six and and nine months later and here's what I'm going to do to support you and help you get here but this is what I expect you to do to get there as well so it truly is a, is a team effort and you've got to show them every little thing because every office is different and you have a different software than what they learned in school. You may be utilizing a different technique. So it's a ton of work. And even if it's going really well, I have some docs tell me, oh gosh, by month two, they just, they can do everything. So I just let them go. Well, that's great. You know, let them, let them do what they can, but you still need to check in. I mean, you have to have your regular weekly doctor meetings um, for the first three to six months. I always say check in with them every single day team meetings, huddles, front end of the day, back end of the day. Um, after about month six, yeah, you know what? You can probably get away with your, your, your weekly doctor meetings and your team meetings, but you do have to stay on top of them every step of the way. Well, that sounds exhausting. Um, <laughs> it's all right. I can do it. Um, but done, done well, that's when you see sometimes career associates that are in positions for, you know, 10, 12 plus years and they do well for their office and they do well financially and the practice owner is happy. And it's just, it, it really can be a beautiful thing when it's done well. Yeah. And that's the thing is like to do it well takes time and energy. And that's why um, historically it maybe hasn't been done well. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot and try and see um, if you can think of like two examples or one or three or whatever, but like of a scenario where a doc came to you, thought they needed an associate and um, you were able to maybe clean up some of their systems or um whatever you did for them that allowed them like you or told them like you actually don't need an associate right now if you make this change type of thing so not necessarily like oh listen buddy you're just not busy enough be better but like somebody who's like no okay yeah you do have a wait list but your systems are crap and this is why you have a wait list so if you have like one or two examples of like a doc that you changed something in their office that gave them more time um and therefore like just during that time you just get to keep that money it's great it's really great it is a great thing okay yes um perfect example one of my practice owners in south carolina um a life graduate and she was somebody that she you know she saw patients probably every 10 minutes but she was an individual she felt that that soft tissue work was really important so she liked to do about five minutes of soft tissue work before she would adjust somebody great you know if that's how you practice fantastic um and she uh, she typically scheduled visit by visit you know probably didn't schedule more than one week out and was doing a lot of financial stuff that just didn't need to be done anyway once she wants an associate so we 
take a look at her systems. And I say, wait a minute, hold up. How much time are you spending with every patient? You're doing your own soft tissue work. Isn't that beating up your body? Well, yes, it is. So here's what I recommended. I said, go hire yourself a massage therapist. If soft tissue work is important to you, go hire a massage therapist, pay them five bucks more than Massage Envy is paying them, which she did. Now, here's what she's able to do. She's able to cut her patient time from 10 minutes to about four to five minutes. The patient's still getting their soft tissue work that they've come to love. She is able to pay for her massage therapist with one extra patient, but she's not just seeing one extra patient in an hour timeframe. She is seeing about six to seven more patients an hour. Well, guess who doesn't really need an associate anymore? And we also got her connected with her software and a credit card company that allowed her to keep credit cards on file and store financial information in a secure system for patients so that she could run or whoever was at her front desk could run payments at the end of the day and just and just take care and love on patients the entirety of the day. She literally, by the end of the six month of doing this, was seeing up to her, up to her patient load about 60 visits a week. That's amazing. That is that's huge. I mean, that's a massive amount of money that she could have invested into an associate, but guess who is getting to take that money home now? And quite honestly, her body, her body felt better too. having a massage therapist do some of that, you know, real physical work that she didn't need to be doing. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Okay. Do you have any other? Isn't that a fun one? I know that's a fun one. Do you have, do you have another one? Um, you know, another one I would say would have been, um, a, a young woman who, she thought she needed an associate, but what she really needed was a front desk person. She was trying to do everything, right? She was really trying, she was a new graduate. This is about three years ago. And she was trying to do everything in sort of this, um, granted it was a systems driven office, but she has so many different um, technologically driven platforms. Sorry, I know I should know. What do you mean by systems driven? What does that mean? Um, She had really good systems, but she had... But she had so many different, like a pa- the patients had to schedule everything online. Nobody ever answered the phone. Um, so she had scheduling over here. She had payments taken here. She was using about four different platforms uh, for, for, for running her office. So we were sort of able to take it down to two different platforms. And she hired a front desk person for 17 bucks an hour compared to, you know, an associate that she would have to pay, you know, two to three times that. And, and quite honestly, it's been smooth and she's, she's by herself still, even after three years. And, and she's got the same front desk person. Cause I do think it's really important that when patients call your office and maybe this is old school of me, when they call your office, somebody needs to answer the phone. Typically between I don't think that's old school at all. <laughs> between no, I think the morning in office and all is old school, but when somebody actually does the old school move of calling, you better answer that phone. Yes. Absolutely. And maybe, and maybe they call you for their first visit and then maybe you have a texting platform that that you, you know, communicate with them after that. But, you know, and if you, if you don't have a front desk person, hire some service that's going to answer your phone for you so that they can reach a real person. Nothing drives, I think, people more crazy than getting stuck in this like circular situation of, you know, four and five different prompts. When I call my doctor, I 
I want to talk to a person, mm-hmm. but that's just me. Yeah, no. And I, I love those examples because it is so true. When you look at a clinic, the, yes, you can have supplements. Yes. You can have soft tissue. You can have all these things, but like the highest price per, I don't know what the phrase is, like return is on the adjustment. And so it's like, when you're looking at getting a doctor to do anything other than an adjustment, you know, so like if um, our clinic uses like the CLA insight scanner, I love it so much. Um, And, you know, I could, I used to do the scans myself. And I got to a certain bottleneck and where it was me and a CA and instead I could have thought like, well, I'm doing the scans now. So apparently I need another doctor to like come in because and it's like, no, no, no. How about you train a CA, um, you know, to do that. And so I love both of those examples because it's like looking at like, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to hire a, a clerical you can hire a massage therapist. You can hire like a tech, you know, if there is a student who went to school for rad tech and they are, you know, you might get someone who hates the hospital system and will come work for you. And like, you know, so it's, I, I love those examples. 100%. I mean, our largest profit margins are on our chiropractic service lines. You know, our smallest margins are probably our, you know, our nutrition and, and, and a couple other different service lines in our practices. But no, your time is best spent adjusting your patients. And, you know, in certain states in, in our country, you can send your CAs to training through the state, they can become certified chiropractic radiologic technicians. They can take your x-rays, they can do their scans, they can do your histories for you. Those are the things that really, really take your time and create those bottlenecks. So Mm -hmm. if you can train somebody else to do that, absolutely go for it. I love it. Um, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the not necessarily like the contract, but like the agreement, the, um, that is a healthy one. Like what do you, if I was like, so if we were in this process and you're like, okay, Lauren, yes, you have enough, the volume systems are good. You do just straight up need to hire another doctor. What are some of the things that you recommend in a healthy symbiotic contract contractual relationship number one you need to understand what your market bears when it comes to to base salaries bonusing so depending on how advantageous and and positive your state association is or your society is with with procuring uh some of your state statistics give them a call and say hey what does the average associate in my state make? That's probably a great place to look. Otherwise, you're going to have to head out to Indeed or take a look at you know some of the ads at the schools to see what other people are starting. Um, you know, new graduates maybe versus somebody that's got a couple years of experience. All right, so that's where you kind of start on the base on the base side. When you're looking at employment agreements, um, you know, pretty much every state in our union is an at-will employment state. So if somebody doesn't want to work for you after six months, they can walk out the door, no harm, no foul. You know, you can't penalize them for that. You want to make sure that you've really got your T's crossed and your I's dotted so that this individual that you're hiring 
understands how they are being paid, what their work hours are, what the expectations are when they're in that office. And you also need to know that there are offices in your state that are super competitive. And, and when I say that, that's that's on the benefit side of the world. So I'll, I'll kind of break it down percentage wise for you. So pretty much every office that, that I work with, and I, I do highly encourage it, I do feel that you should be handling their malpractice for them. That way, you know, they've got it. And, and you get to choose the company and it's generally going to be the company that you're insured with. So malpractice as well as continuing education in most states, continuing ed is pretty darn reasonable. Uh, I know in some states it's, it's super expensive. So I, I feel there's, it's always nice to offer some type of stipend for that, whether it's, you know, 250 bucks a year, 500 bucks a year. Oh my heavens. You know, what is that for patients they have to see to pay for that? Um, so Continuing ed and, and malpractice. Now, there are even doctors, probably 70% of the people I work with, with that will go ahead and pay for state licensure. Again, it's something that happens every two years in the state of Wisconsin. What does it cost us? 150? You know, in some states like Massachusetts, it's $600. So, I mean, it's it's very relative depending on, on where you're practicing. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd say probably 30% of the practices that, that I represent and work with, um, they're paying for some type of, of health insurance mm -hmm. premiums for their associates. And 20% of clinic owners do offer some type of retirement plan mm -hmm. as well. So, so those are things to really look at. Um, I do get asked quite often, okay, um, I, I, I phone interviewed somebody, I really like them, do I, do I pay for flying them out to my practice? Well, I usually say, well, hold up. Just because you liked them on the phone doesn't mean that you should be flying them across the country. Um, let's use some technology before yep. we before we fly them. Um, let's let's get on a Zoom video call first. Um, and quite honestly, you shouldn't just be making these employment decisions yourself. Utilize your team. Get your team on the call with you. Team picks up different nuances in individuals and doctors than we doctors do. You know, we're we're tunnel. We're looking for this. The team is looking a little more broad. So use your team. Um, you can give them a, a a tour of your office via video. All right. After you've done the video interview, after you've done probably some type of personality profile tool on someone you might mm -hmm. hire. That's what I just wrote down, like personality. <laughs> that's that's when you want to talk about. All right. Let's have you come spend some time in the practice. And when I say some time, I don't mean two hours. I mean, you want this individual doing a working interview for probably a good two days. Oh, it's so, oh, I hate people shadowing me. It's so it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. And it's like, okay, you get the gist, like, bye. It can be awkward, but man, you are going to spend more time with this person than you probably will your spouse over the next year. So you better have it be a good fit. I want everybody to do their due diligence, have them, and they don't need to spend the whole day with you. Have them spend half the day up front. Have them spend half the day with maybe your billing specialist if that's what you do. Um, have your marketing director take them to an event in the evening. And, and quite honestly, if at all possible, 
I would highly encourage you to meet if they do have a significant other or a spouse, meet that individual as well. It's, it's imperative that you understand what happens in their life outside of your office as well, because that can dictate so much of what happens in your office. So I think that's really important too. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the importance of personalities. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just going back to the, like the math, I of like, you know, associates are not necessarily like when you're hiring, it's not like you're getting who I'm going to have my pick of the litter. Um, How important is it? Like, obviously it's very important, but like, do you feel like we place, cause like I'm looking for a very specific Enneagram type. um, Cause that's, I do Enneagram. Um, But like, have you seen where maybe a doc is very stuck on what they think they need? And then like, there's actually more room for like different personalities to show. Talk to me about personalities. 100%. Um, so I'm familiar with Enneagrams. Absolutely. Uh, I do tend you to know what yours is. Nine. You're a nine. Are you That's sure? You are you? A it's, nine? Been, it's been a while. Mm. I should probably redo it. Anyway, um, so I tend to use the DISC profile because okay. it, it not only tells us where somebody stands today, but it gives us some idea as to when we put this individual under pressure, what's what's going to come up, like what's going to drive up in their personality and what's going to take a back seat. Mm-hmm. So that's I like to see that as well, what happens when they're under stress. So, so many doctors will tell me, okay, Melissa, I, I want to hire an associate and they have have to be a high driver. I want a high driver. <laughs> and that's, that's the high red, the D bar on, yeah. on those disc personality profiles to which I try to have any a very, um, for any, yeah, a very honest conversation to which I let them know you are the captain of your ship. You are your high driver. And quite honestly, high drivers tend to be practice owners. So if you want a high driver, you need to know that this driver is going to have a practice someday and probably in about 11 months. Mm-hmm. So as long as you don't mind investing nine months into them to have them walk out your door at month 11, then knock yourself out with a high driver. Yeah, Typically, I average that an associate sticks around for when we, you were talking um, I'd say in our chiropractic profession, from what I've seen on, you know, hundreds and hundreds of resumes, somewhere in that 13 to 15 oh. month time frame. Oh God, that just makes me want to throw up. <laughs> okay. So. Yep. Now, but when people do their due diligence and, and make sure they're, they're walking through an appropriate process, I see that increase to probably two to three years. Okay. That's bad. Okay. So yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, um, I actually had, um, an amazing T10 preceptor come and she was awesome. She's a rock star, totally an Enneagram three and probably red disc, whatever driver thing. And, um, as is getting, you know, kind of midway through, cause I, I needed an associate and I was like, I had to have kind of an awkward conversation with her of like, I think you should open your own. And she was like, kind of, you could tell kind of disappointed within, cause we were like carpooling to my clinic at the time within two miles. I say like, so have you thought about like what owning your own would be like? And she was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I already know what I would name it. And I was like, Oh, like, so do you have like 
a logo. Oh yeah. Super cute. And she starts like describing her logo. And I'm like, bitch, you thought you were going to be happy being an associate. And she's killing it in practice. I think she's been in practice like two and a half years now. And I'm just like, you dork, you would not have been happy being, cause that's the big thing for me is like, I, I I'm sure everybody says this, like I want an associate for life, but I also want, I only take on an associate that I think I can help them feel fulfilled, whether they're with me for a year and a half or three years or for 10 years or whatever. Like I want them to get something out of this. And more than just like, this is how you adjust a baby. This is how you, you know, do a care plan. Like I want them to feel fulfilled, you know? And I feel like that's so important to so many women owners in that like leadership role of like, if you're not going to be happy, I don't want you here. Even if you have the greatest personality ever and you're going to like drive up my numbers, but you're also just going to leave. That's impressive, Lauren. Most docs are not that honest with themselves. So man, that's, that's a great place to be at. And I guess if we had to look at like, what's the best personality profile in associates, I tend to see those real high yellow, those, those, those intuitive ones. What's that? Those, the caring ones. Those are uh, outgoing and caring and and they tend to have quite a bit of um, S along with that, you know, steadiness. They like the systems. They, they like having processes in place. I mean, you want to, they have to have enough D to get the job done, obviously. But um, yeah, I'd say, you know, really caring, but then there's a lot of coaching around that, that, you know, they have to understand that they can be friendly with their patients, but their patients aren't their friends. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, (laughs) but (laughs) right. Um, Anyway. So yeah, I would say if you are a high driving practice owner, if you are, if you are a red on that disc personality profile, you probably cannot have a high driver as an associate because number one you'll kill each other um they'll probably walk into your practice and let you know everything you're doing wrong and you should probably look for somebody that's a little more of that that engaging intuitive you know outgoing caring um maybe a little amiable but you don't you can't walk all over me there yep absolutely okay so i feel like we've given docs a lot of good advice um what about from the student perspective? And I know you've kind of covered a lot of it, but like speaking to students, what do you recommend for them? One, first question, deciding whether they should associate or just own their own. Uh, well, if you're a T9 right now and haven't already picked out your location and started to do a lease on a building, you're probably going to be an associate because right. honestly, <laughs> if you're going to graduate in two months, you should be an associate. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, if you want to open an office, you better start that at, at trimester seven, quarter 10. If you're at life, you need to start a year out. There's so much to it. Again, that's a whole different conversation. But if you're looking to associate, quite honestly, make connections, get to know doctors, get yourself in a variety of different practices. You know, so we're Northwestern graduates. They have a great CBI program. You know, individuals starting at T8 can start to spend time in different offices. Go see different types of practices, shadow two different type of clinic models every trimester. That way you kind of have a good idea and you've met some really great doctors. 
So meet lots of people. Don't ever turn down an opportunity to have a conversation with another chiropractor. Nothing vexes me more than when I'm talking to a student and I'm like, hey, I can introduce you to this practice owner and that practice owner and this one. Mm. I don't think so. I looked at their website. It doesn't really look like something I'm interested in. Are you effing kidding me? Even if they're not a match for you, they might have a friend down the street, somebody that they graduated with, a former class. We're such a small profession, Lauren. Get to know people. I mean, how often do you go to a conference and there's like nobody you know and you don't know anybody that they know? You always know somebody, right? Anyway. Connections, get to know people, Um, get involved in those CBI and preceptorship programs. Um, Now, when you start to look at offices, these are probably the red flags that you want to look for. Yes, I love red flags. If if the doctors never had an associate, um, that's okay. It does. It doesn't mean that they can't be a great leader, but but again, some things you should look at is what's their why for you. Yep, gonna be a little rockier. What's their why? Do they have somebody mentoring them along the process? Coach, um, company, you know, somebody sort of holding their hand on the process. Do they have a written out training process? Do they have an employment agreement that looks fair to you? Now, if they are someone that has had an existing associate A number one, how long do their associates stay with them? If you go on their website and you see that they've got two associates and those associates have been there longer than two years, fantastic. They are probably a great place to be. However, if both those associates, one has been there three months, the other nine, eh, I'd ask a few more questions. Um, I'd also, once you get into interviewing, would you recommend they ask the doctor or is that more like the reconnaissance, like, Asking the front desk, like, so are there been associates before me? Oh, why'd they leave type thing? Or can you just like ask the doc straight out? Like, why did that relationship? I'm I'm all about transparency. And I would ask the doc straight out. How long have these associates been here? Historically, how long do your associates stay? Um, You know, tell me about your best associate and what are you looking for in this one? Um, You know, some docs want different personalities and different associates so they can attract different patient bases. Um, I would also, and this can be a really tough one, especially if you're graduating from Palmer, uh, Davenport, and you're going to go to work in Ohio. Maybe you don't know anybody in the community you're going to. I would do everything you can to find out what their front desk turnover has been. Um, You know, if they've got quick turnover at the front desk, that's a problem that is just chaos waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. So I I'd really look at that as well Um, and and try to find out what their reputation in the chiropractic community is. How do you do that? We're a small profession, Lauren. You typically don't have to ask more than a couple different docs. Hey, what do you know about this person? I mean, you know every doc that practices within about 50 to 100 miles from you, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So do I. I mean, you're you're pretty hard pressed to find someone that doesn't know someone. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fair to to ask those questions and and ask for references. I mean, that's references. From the doc is asking for references from you. Oh hey, man, I don't can know. I, can, I talk <laughs> to some, can I talk to some of your patients? You know, when when you're when you're in there shadowing. I mean, are you okay if I ask your patients why they come here? Like, what what do they love about your office? 
oh my God, you're giving me, you're giving me cold sweats, hot sweats and sweating. Like, no, I think it's, I think it's great. You are definitely, if you're a nine, you are absolutely a wing eight on the Enneagram. We're just going to put it there like, well, if not, you're an eight wing nine. Cause I'm just like, well, I, am I making you sweat? Oh, sweat. No, I, okay. It I happens a lot though. I get really uncomfortable. I think it's great when you can have conversations with with those front desk people, with those patients, and they can tell you what they love about coming to that office. Um, you know, I've got, for my T7s, I've got uh, one doctor's office in the North Metro of Minneapolis. Um, I don't quite honestly even hardly allow that doctor to come and present to my, my students. I want his associates and I want his employees because when, when, when existing associates and existing employees can say amazing things about you, they sell your office for you. You hardly have to say anything. Okay. All right. Note to self. I'm going to like have my team take next associate out to do Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's a really smart outside the box thing to do. Okay. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. Um, is there anything that I asked you either from the doctor perspective or the student perspective that you feel is really important to consider or know before entering this associate world? Um, kind of like lasting thoughts. Uh, lasting thoughts, um, expectations. What, um, I'd say a big downfall is not understanding marketing expectations oh, on both yeah, the practice owner and the associate side. So I, I, I kind of put clinics in two different camps. Sometimes I'll have practice owners that tell me I have a 12 month marketing plan. It's already mapped out. I've got a marketing director that takes care of that. And these are my expectations of any given associate other docs you know, they've been in practice 20 years. They haven't done a marketing event in, you know, 15. But I even encourage them to say, okay, new associate coming in. I don't have a clear marketing plan. However, I want you to report to me on a monthly basis. And I want you to show me where you're spending eight to 10 hours every month in our community, either volunteering or inserting yourself into some place where you can meet new people and, and let them pick things they enjoy, whether that's serving on a committee at church, a book club, you know, teaching yoga class at the CrossFit gym, you know, whatever, you know, I think marketing is, is, is best in its, in its really organic form of just, you know, meeting people and building relationship. It doesn't always have to be a, a hard sell screening and you know, signing you up to come in on Monday as a new patient. It's, you know, it, it's relationship building and, and people need to know that, that you're a real person, you care for them, what you do, what you do is different and, and they are gonna have amazing results with chiropractic care and being seen in your office. So I, I'd say marketing is probably one of the big downfall. So spend some time having a conversation around expectations on that. Yeah. Um, I, that whole, like bringing up the expectation that they're going to, I mean, obviously this is like not in a pandemic world, but like interact with the community is something that I think as owners, we completely take for granted that like, you know, I go to church in this town. I grocery shop in this town. My kids are on, you know, sports teams in this town. And that is important in a community. Even if you're in a huge community, if you're in a suburb, it's still like 
this marketing that we don't even think about. And sometimes, especially if you have a doc that doesn't like an Insta doc that doesn't come with kids or anything like that, that they're kind of like forced into like, I feel like if you're a parent, you're like, okay, they're in here and they're in this. But like, if you have a doc that's coming and they're single or they're not married or, you know, whatever it, you might need to communicate. I mean, I did ask my one associate in a very like PC HR way, but like, I don't know how I asked it. That was legal. But like, do you go to church? Are you going to go to church in this town? And I think I said, like, I don't need you to go to church at all. But like the the idea of interacting with the community on a regular basis. So if it's not that, is there something else that you plan? And she was just like, oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. And I'm like, cool. Um, you know, so that I love. And I think a lot of docs probably like the in their scenario with the marketing where um, they don't have a marketing plan. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those docs may not even realize they're expecting because they're hiring someone younger to bring energy and ideas and like a game plan with them, whether they even realize it or not. Like I have, would you agree? 100%. Absolutely. I mean, they, they do have an expectation. They just don't communicate it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have to have agreement on that because that is, yeah. I mean, that's a huge downfall for a lot of practice owners. Yeah. So, well, you have been just a delight. Thank you so much. Um, please tell people how to get more of you. Um, you can go to my website. Um, that is mkchiropracticrecruiting.com or you can certainly email me at mkolb at mkrecruiting.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, all right, She Slayer. So it's been a pleasure. Reach out to Melissa. Um, specifically if you're a doc and you are looking and you're wondering, like, am I ready? Um, reach out. She's just full of so much information that we didn't even have time to get to here. Um, and yeah, you're welcome to the world of finding an associate. It's fun and it's like Hunger Games, right? No, just kidding. <laughs> hey, done right. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Absolutely. What For both parties. Yes. And that's how it should be. And how like, I think that the modern chiropractor is working to create beautiful symbiotic partnerships, even though by contract, they're associateships, not partnerships. So, (laughs) all right. All right. She Slayers until next week. Bye. Hey, She Slayers. Are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.